I got my notes out of order here. Where's my scripture? Here we go. Y'all don't know this stuff. I don't usually say it out loud. Scripture goes there. Page two goes there. Okay, we're good. So I got to get this thing. You guys think it's just all in my brain, but it's not always in my brain. It's behind the thing. And then it goes to my brain. So this weather, you know, it's been raining. And how many know, like, when you watch beach shows, for example, or you watch, we like to watch a lot of island shows for house hunting, and they're just going to pick up and move to the islands. What you never see, and my wife is here to witness because I think she has every island house show DVR'd on the face of the earth, and so she could witness if this is accurate, that you've never seen one where it's bad weather, the climate's gross, the climate's ew, I don't want to be there, it's sunny, blue skies, you hear the Jamaican music going or whatever, the little, you know, the little thing they play, the bowl, they, they play the music, and the, the climate is good, and the culture is good, you never see like thunderstorms like it was a few days ago here, right? You don't see advertisements for this weekend on island hunters. Hunters, we're going to go buy this house in the tsunami. It's going to be great. And you see houses blowing by. You don't see that. Because that's not a culture or a climate somebody wants to be in. And when you think, I want to go on a nice trip. I want to get out of here. I want to get out of this rain. People think, I want to go to the beach. When they think of the beach, they think of nice weather. They think of white sand. If you're like me, we go to the panhandle. They got the white beach, the Gulf side. You think of nice weather, you don't think of rain and thunderstorms and whales eating you or anything like that. They don't show that part if it would happen. They wouldn't show it in the clip at least. But what's funny is there's a connection between the climate of those places and the culture that exists there. When we, we've been on some nice trips and uh, when we go, a lot of times the food and the, the people are a result of the climate they have to work with. When the weather's good and the harvest is plentiful, they've got good herbs and spices and vegetation, and they're making some really good jerk chicken, man. It's good. You don't see them making it in, in St. Louis when it's pouring down thunderstorms and all that because the climate here doesn't breed that type of culture in the rain, figuratively. What we want is a climate that breeds blue sky culture. Your climate is what creates your culture. People respond and acclimate to the climate, which is what becomes the culture. And so when we think of culture, it, thinks, it makes me think of this, the culture that is brewing in the church in and outside of these walls. As a Christian, we are carrying a climate with us wherever we go. We are bringing sometimes a thunderstorm, but sometimes we're bringing Caribbean weather. And whatever we bring long enough in and outside of the church, that's what the culture is going to evolve to. So my question is, what is it that you may be bringing in your climate throughout your days? Whenever we land in scenarios of uh, refreshing opportunities, I'll call them, filled with the love of God, it's contagious and we naturally want to share it because it's so different. We want to share it with others. And as a church, at One Seed Church, we want to create a culture of unexpected, immeasurable love for others when they come into these 
doors, but they will feel that love even when we as Christians go out on our day-to-day and interact with those people who have yet to experience that overwhelming, precious love of Jesus. The culture is bred by the climate. If you want a good culture, you need a good climate. It's bred by the climate. It's about the culture in the end. The climate determines the culture. We are so called to shine the light of Jesus and it's important that guests feel that love to show we are different from the world but still in it. And not only will they feel something different when they're here, but like I said, outside. And your decision, everybody say decision, because it is a choice. Nobody makes you be nice or be loving. It's a choice. I struggle with it. Sometimes I don't want to be nice. Sometimes when I'm tired, I do things and I go, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. I don't want to, I don't want to be nice. It's a struggle. But we have a choice in your decision to demonstrate the spirit of joy, gratefulness, and love with those you come across will change how others view you and how others view following Jesus for themselves. See, too much is given, much is required. It's, it's, we become accountable as Christians. We reap the blessing, but now we have knowledge that Christ gave us, and we are to be good stewards with that knowledge to the next person. We want to bring God our best because we serve the best, right? So we want to bring him our best in and out of church. If we go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, this is a similar situation to last week. Was it last week? I don't even remember. To recently, when the people were flooding to Jesus off the boat because everybody wanted to be where Jesus was. Because Everywhere Jesus went, he brought this climate with him that stirred the culture. And so where he went, the culture changed because of the climate he brought to it. So before it was, he wanted the rest on the boat. Remember, he wanted the rest and they needed him. And he said they were like a sheep with no shepherd, so I will have compassion on them. We talked about compassion and he went and preached. He brought that climate of compassion to them. Well, this week, he's ministering again. And guess what? People want to be where Jesus is. This time he's at a paralytic's house. And it's a famous passage. You've all heard it. And in fact, I think I preached on this passage last year. But this year, we're talking about a different element. We're talking about the cultural aspect of the things Jesus did and what what happened by him going to these places. And in chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, It says, and again, he, Christ, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. He was in this house, like he was in your house this week. Hey, he's over at your house this week. I'm going over there. I'm not going to call first. I'm just going to show up at your door, because Christ is there. Awesome. I'm sure you guys would love that, wouldn't you? If you just showed up, my mom would love that. If we just showed up at her house one day, because Jesus was there. And we know Jesus is in the Gwaltney house all the time. Just kidding. That's a joke. That's my, we live next door to each other. It's really weird. Somebody told, somebody told us there's a TV show, Raymond or something? Something about Raymond? I've never seen it, but evidently we have the same relationship. Anyway, I digress. Back to the passage. Verse 2. Immediately men are gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them 
not even near the door. It was crowded, and he preached the word to them. They wanted to be part of his culture so bad that they just, anything would do. We don't need a seat. I'll stand there. I'll be outside, inside, whatever I can do to hear the word of God. If I can just touch his garment in another passage, that'll be good. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. They took the roof off the house. Who does that? Anybody? Y'all doing that before? Anybody? You guys with me? Getting deer in headlights. You, you never took the roof off your house? You know, raise the roof, literally? Nobody? Who does that? They took the roof off because of the crowd. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Well, that's not what we came to see. We want to see a miracle. He says, I'm giving you one, and you don't even know it. And some of the scribes were sitting there going, did he just forgive sin? Did he just do that? Does he know who he's acting like? He's acting like he's God. And some of the scribes are sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, processing a reason to find a problem with him. Instead of saying he just forgave sin, they're looking for the negative, what they can do to find a problem. You know, we kind of do that. We're always kind of looking for the problem. We go into the situation looking for a problem. So then, of course, what do we do? We find one because we're always looking for one. So that's how the scribes were. They're always looking for a problem. They train their mind to be negative and find a problem. But when Jesus, sorry, he forgave their sins. And some of the scribes are sitting there reading their hearts. Why did this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sin but God alone? But immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves. He said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? There's all kinds of scriptures about this. Which is easier, that which you see or that which you don't see? But see, I want you to see with your spiritual eyes and hear with your spiritual ears, but I can't do that because you don't get it, so I'm going to have to do a miracle so you understand that raising Lazarus from the dead wasn't about Lazarus coming back to life, people. Over and over and over, this is what Jesus did. And they still killed him. They still didn't get it. He said, what's better? That I forgave his sins or that I say, get up and walk. And they think, well, make him get up and walk. Woohoo, that'd be cool. And Jesus like, you don't even understand. What I did in the spiritual is for eternity. Right now it's temporary because he's only on this earth for so long. But because of that, I'm going to make him Rise up and walk. In verse 10 he says, But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise. Take up your bed and go to your house. Get up, brother. Go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all, everybody say, all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never seen anything like this. This was shocking to us. We've never seen someone do this. This is shocking. It's a culture shock where Jesus was. That's the message title today. It's culture shock. We want to create a culture shock as Christians for people in and outside of the church. We want to create a culture that they come in going, whoa, what was that? 
I've never seen anything like that. Let me go tell all my friends. It's amazing. When we go out into the world, we want to we wanna show that we're different, that we, 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 we're, we're distinguished. There's something different about us when we go into this world with the stamp of Christ on our forehead. There's something different. It's going to shock people's senses. It's different. But it stems from the climate. And if your climate is always to find a problem and always to say it's not good enough and always tell people it can never happen and it'll never work and that's a dumb idea and I don't have a good idea for you but I'm quick to tell you how bad your idea is and on and on and on, your climate is bringing a thunderstorm when God wants to bring you blue skies, you can never get there because the culture can't progress in that kind of climate. See, creating a climate of God's love will produce a culture that reaps the harvest collectively as the body. Creating a climate of God's love will produce a culture that reaps God's harvest, harvest collectively. What I mean is when we create the culture that presents Christ to people, as they encounter us, they will encounter Christ, and the culture will just manifest itself. And I'm so thankful because that's really happened here at One Seed Church naturally. Because we've prayed for God's anointing that it would happen naturally and not mechanically. And that's just what's happening, what's so awesome. Aren't you guys so glad we can be part of this together, that it's like a family? It is a family. And that, and that we don't have to feel like we're separated when we come in the doors, you know? We're glad about that, right? It matters. There's churches that aren't like that, people. We're different. And I don't think it should be that way, but evidently it's different. And that's sad, isn't it? There's some places you can go and they'll look at you different. Aren't they supposed to, aren't we supposed to bring them in? People are sick, we're supposed to bring them the physician. But man, over time, things change. And, and the climates in, in different places will change and they'll do it in the name of the Lord. But we got to look at the word and say, what does the word say? So we're very thankful for that. But not only is it here, it's when we go back to Monday. And we go back to Tuesday. And they say, well, Nick, Nick said it, so I'm going to do it. Paul says, I won't eat meat because I don't want to cause my brother to stumble. There's, there's things that people will look to Christians, and then they'll throw it. It's, it's just the way it goes. They'll tell you why you're not good enough, and then they'll tell you why they shouldn't come be a Christian with you because they're going to use you and wait for a mistake that you make. But we don't have to worry about mistakes because when it's genuine and just a climate of love in all aspects, and we give people that light, we shine that true light, they have nothing to throw at us because it's, it's genuine. It's that easy. It doesn't take a bunch of theology. It doesn't take a scholar's, you know, you don't have to have 10 seminary degrees. You have to have genuine, compassionate love and be consistent. And people will go, wow, that's amazing. They were like consistent. They, they meant what they said. They didn't want anything from me. It's awesome. One of the things I've learned as a semi-new pastor over time is in a scene it happened is that, and I've, I've been in this boat, when someone new decides, I'm, I want to go to church, and they, they, they think about going to church, they think about their circumstance and how they don't, they, they think they're not qualified to come in. And that's, that's silly. And so they use their circumstance to determine what steps they're willing to take with their own God who loves them. They disqualify themselves from experiencing the love that God has for them just as much as anybody else. 
And so we're separated by circumstance, but we all have the same need. Does that make sense? Our circumstance may be different. What, what, what led Nick to his knees is different maybe than what led me to my knees and what led Nate to his knees, but we all need God the same. And when we know that we all need him the same and he loves us the same, we would never disqualify our brother from coming into God's house or anyone. He said, all who call upon my name, all, it's all. And so people disqualify themselves and they get the hunger to know God, and they get to a place of seeking, but they don't feel like they mesh yet with those people. But they, what they forget is everybody was in that position. Everybody felt that way. And that's what the devil wants to tell you, is that you don't belong with them. But that's not true. That's a lie. You belong with them just as much as they belong with them. This is God's people. And you belong with God's people when you love God. It's for you. It's for you. We all need God the same, but our circumstances for what led us to him are different. That's okay. If we all had the same reason to come to God, it, it wouldn't, it, the testimonies wouldn't be that interesting to listen to anymore, right? It keeps it interesting. Our need doesn't change just because our situations are different. And it's so easy to think our situation is specially bad, not relatable. I can never bring that before the Lord. I can never go around them because they will judge me. It's not so. It's not how it should be so. And if it has been so for you, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. But that's not what you will find here. We are family. When you walk through the doors at 1C Church, you are family. I'll hug you like I hug my mama. I won't kiss you because, you know, that's not right. Pastor-like. I might get sued or something. It'd be on the media. But if you want me to give you a hug, I'll give you a hug. Because your family, when you walk in the doors, there is no discrimination. And it's easy to think that situation of ours is not relatable. So we'll tell ourselves, we'll just stay clear of God's people. If I engage with them, they think I'm too out there. Well, guess what? We're out there too. And some of us still are out there. But that's all right. Weird is not always bad. We're all out there. I mean, look at me. Look at the, somebody, somebody wrote something the other day about my shoes online. I'm out there. Okay. I'll take it. That's good. At least you're talking about it. At least you're seeing one seed church in the process. I celebrate when all, all gospel is shared, good or bad, as long as Christ is preached, Paul said. So if my shoes get your attention, but then you think about Jesus, God bless you. Thank you very much. Mission accomplished. <laughs> oh, you'd be shocked what people say. It's so weird. Anyway. It's about the climate, though, and if your climate is not good, your culture will not manifest to what you want it to be. So it's important what kind of climate you're carrying around. Sometimes we let our circumstance determine how faithful we'll be. Uh, I'll just watch online. They got streaming. That's good enough. That's good enough. I'll just, I'll just stay. I'm pretty bad. I'll watch online. That'll be my relationship with Jesus. Online church streaming is great, but it was never meant to place, replace being in the presence of God with his people in real, real time. That's not what it was meant to do. It's a, it's a backup plan because you were meant to be in fellowship and union with his body. His body is his people. You separate from the body, you're isolated again. But we'll do that and say, well, that's good enough. I feel like I did my good thing for this week. I'll just watch online. Yay, go me. Let's go back to the normal thing the rest of the week. 
But that's like a spiritual pacifier. We don't need pacifiers. We need meat. We've outgrown that. Now we want to be in the body because we know if we're not being stretched, we're not growing. There's a little discomfort when you're growing. There's a little discomfort when the baby's growing in the womb. If you're not being stretched, you're not growing. So you don't want to settle your own destiny and leave a limitation what God has for you because you're disqualifying yourself with complacency. I get too comfortable. Then I forget my cause. Why do I go? Why do I go to church? Why do I say I love Jesus? You can forget your cause. I call it professional churchgoers. You know, you go long enough that you become so confident in your experience, you start forgetting where your strength is. And you become the one that nobody wants to be around. You ever seen that, Nate? You know, well, church lady, Dana Carvey style, Zorro snap, throwing some weigh-in brothers, whatever you got to do. We become that mentality. That is not the arms and feet of Christ. That is politicians in the church. That's not what he wanted. And if we get too confident in ourself and what we can do because of our strength, we are foolish because we are becoming self-serving. We never can forget where our strength comes from. It's good to be confident. I'm not saying you should be unconfident, but you should never forget where your strength comes from because it keeps you grounded. It keeps you humble and it keeps in your mind what this is about. What is this about? It's not about looking cool and being on the animated GIF and having all the streaming things and having the cool rap music and all the things. It's really not about that, but you got to play the game sometimes if you want to get people's attention for the Lord. Trust me, I get tired of hearing my own voice. I go home, I study my own sermons. Not because I love this, let me hear myself some more. No, I can't stand it. In fact, I get nauseated sometimes. If I hear it too much in one week, I'm like, if I hear my voice again, I'm going to puke. <laughs> I'm serious. My wife especially, she'll tell me, do we have to hear that again? See, I want to get better. I want to stretch. So I'm looking. Did I, say, did I say that too much? Oh, he said, just, just joking again. Oh, he said that again. Quit saying that, Pastor. Quit doing it. I'm sitting there saying, how can I get better, God? Make me better. So I'm studying. I'm trying to show myself approved. And we all should do that. And I just did it yesterday. I went into a climbing of a thunderstorm. And my dad said, what's wrong with you? Dads are good like that. He, he laughed at me. He said, why does that bother you? I said, I don't know. No reason. Duh, pastor. It happens to everybody. Everybody's human. And you can get off track and you can start reproducing old climates of thunderstorms and, and hailstorms and all that stuff if you let your mind go there. So it's, it's a work in progress for all of us. But we don't want to get too comfortable. We don't want to be miserable, but we want to always be stretching. It's about the pulse of pressure. Nate remembers that one <laughs> last year. Different sermon. Pressure. I was, I was saying pressure like this. Pressure. And it, it was so much pressure, someone bolted right out of the room. I don't know what happened. They said it was too much pressure. The way I was saying pressure, literally. So it was, again, it was an awesome experience. So you want to stretch at a pace that's not too much pressure, too quick, too soon. You want to operate in the, in the season you're in. God will want to stretch you, but you don't want to take the rubber band from here to 100 overnight. You want to stretch slowly. 
We don't want to get too comfortable. And it's necessary to go where Jesus is and stay away from where he isn't. Well, we're supposed to go reach sinners. Absolutely. But when you go into the climate and you leave Jesus out of those areas, you're going to conform to the climate. And now your culture's going to change. You want to take Jesus with you when you go to stormy weather. You with me? You want to bring the Christ climate to the stormy weather. Then you can go in and console, conquer principalities of darkness. But if you go alone, you're going to be in trouble. You need Christ. And everywhere Christ was, people wanted to be at. And so we want to be where Jesus is. And we don't want to be where he's not willing to go. We need to get to the house. We've all been separated by the curse of sin. We were born into death because of sin. And by the cross, God formed a way that by his ransom on the cross, we have a way to come back into union with the Lord through the plan of salvation. But it's also his will that we, don't also, we not only come into union with him, but we come into union with his body, his people. That's why it's so important. That's why church is so important. And when people take out that element of their Christian life, they're feeling depressed and alone because they are a lot of times because their only relationship is with Christ, but he wants you to be part of his full body. Does that make sense? You're, you're only talking to the head, of the head of the body. You need the full experience to experience all that God has. And the church is how God brings us back together with each other, his people. You guys ever been to like an event where they said, standing room only, it's all that's left. Standing room only. Anybody ever heard that term? You know, like all the good seats are sold. There's not even grass seats anymore. Like at the amphitheater, you got to stand outside on the patio like in front of the entry doors. It's standing room only. I'll take it. There's churches that have standing room only. We don't want a standing room only church, but we want a standing room only culture. What does that mean? That means I want to be there so bad. I want to be with those people so bad that I'll stand out in the parking lot with a cell phone and listen if I have to. I want to be part of that culture. And that's what those people did. They stood at the house. They were willing to stand there and God had to take the roof off the place because there was no more room in the house and people didn't even care. They just wanted to be there. We want to create that standing room only culture that is so distinguished and so unique. People go, man, whatever it takes, I want to be part of that. That's what, that's what genuine love of God will do to people. It'll make you run to it. Let me run to the water where the boat is. Let me run to the house where the house is. Let me, let me be part of it. If I could just touch his garment, that's all I need to heal my issue. That's what we want. Because that's when God will break through barriers in your life. That's when you want to tell people all the good things God has done. Where God is, I want to be there too. Here on earth and in heaven. I want to experience that unexplainable love. That's what's going to draw others to these seats. That's what's going to draw others to ask you questions. That's what's going to draw others to him through you as a vessel is that distinguished, unimmeasurable, genuine love. That's the climate that's going to produce the culture. When I was in school, I took economics twice. 
the first time I took it at Maryville and I got a D, but I was moving to Nashville and I took it again a year or two later and got an A minus. You know, they say the teacher's different. What I think was different was how I looked at it. I ended up loving economics. I know it's nerdy, but I thought it was so cool learning how the things work off each other. And we know the basis of economics is supply and demand. Everybody knows when the, the demand is high, the supply is typically low. Price goes up. When the, when the supply is high and the demand's low, there's a surplus. It's too much. It goes down. With Christ, this is, this is what's so cool, is Jesus breaks all the mathematical, statistical uh, do's and don'ts of macro and microeconomics. Because when the, when the demand is high and the supply is limited, what does he do? He makes more. He takes the roof off. He's not going to run out of supply for you. He wants you in his house, just like them. Quit letting everybody else go first. Get to his house. Quit saying, well, I'll go when they go, and, and I, I probably shouldn't be there, and I'll just watch online today, but I only have a dial-up modem, so everything was on the stream. The live stream was no good out in the country, and that's because God wants you in the church. He doesn't want you to use a dial-up modem. Jim, who has dial-up modems anymore? Nobody. Except that guy who says, I'm not going because I'm on my 2400 baud. KBPS. Is that right? I'm, I don't know. We're going way back with that. Anybody remember Doom or Wolfenstein? Oh boy. I truly dry gust right there. <laughs> but God will increase the limit. It's just like the seat maker. God will make more seats. There's no limitation to his supply, even when the demand is high. We want to create a standing room only culture. And the way we do that, I'm going to say it again, is that genuine, distinguished love of Christ. That's what's contagious to draw people. Nothing can imitate what was designed to only be genuine. You can't imitate it, Simon the Sorcerer. You can't imitate the Holy Spirit because you're a, you're a fraud, man. Remember when he tried to buy it? That was a good message. That's one I actually liked in my own. I said, that was good. Vincent said, that's good. Never heard that before. It's because he tried to buy the Holy Spirit, the power. You can't buy what was meant to be genuine. You can't put mechanics into a move of God because God moves, not people, for God. We're just vessels. We got to let it flow. If you want to let it flow, that's when it's going to get let go. Got to let it flow. We will create a standing room only culture when the climate is attributed to Jesus Christ. Verse four says, so many wanted to be where he was because the crowd, they uncovered the roof because everybody wanted to be part of it. That culture is what creates an atmosphere. Everybody say atmosphere that makes your path become clear. The path was always there. Your path has always been there. It just was foggy. God didn't just make your path. It's been from the beginning. He knew your end before the beginning, from the beginning. He knew it. The path has been there. But when you get in the culture of God, you'll start seeing clearly and you'll start seeing your path over the bridge, over the trials, over the struggles. You start seeing where he wants to take you. He says, my son, my path was always there for you. But now you get to see it clearly because you're in my culture. You're part of my body. 
it makes you want to share the good news. That's why they call it the good news. Because it makes you excited when you, when you have that revelation of your own, of the change God can make in your life. You, you, you're so shocked. The culture shock in your heart is so strong that you just got, oh man, if I could tell 10 more people what this is like. Anybody had Pellegrino? It's the carbonated natural spring water with no sugar. It's like a soda without sugar. Well, now they have this uh, sugarized, flavored, canned Pellegrino. Okay? Straight from Italy by way of, well, I can't tell you that. I'll tell you that in a second. So we have this, we have this Pellegrino in our fridge. And my wife brings home lime and orange. And it's like this, the most heavenly refreshing drink ever. When you're used to drinking the stuff with no sugar, and it's, it's, it's okay, you get used to it. But then they add the sugar back in, and you got, you got the lime, and it's only 120 calories a can. It's not like a Coke, it's 140. So it's healthy, right? Because it's, it's 20 calories less per 12-ounce can or whatever that is. And so this was so good. This soda, this drink, it's not soda. This sparkling drink was so good. I had guys working on my basement, and I said, you guys got to drink this. I took them some down in the basement. I said, this is amazing. It's heaven sent. You got to be part of this. You got to drink this because when I drank this, it was so good. I couldn't help but let you try some. It was Mike Fergie. <laughs> he says, wow, you guys, you guys go to Italy? I said, no, they got it at Target. It's like straight from blah, 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 you know, Sicily. Right on the can. You guys go there? No, Target has the hookup. Straight from Target, Target. And he's like, wow, this is heaven sent divine. Thank you for sharing it with me. Because had you not shared this with me, I would have never had a taste of myself. And I would have missed out on the experience that God wanted me to have for myself. Because you brought me the experience with your culture. You get it? Does it make sense? It's not about the soda. <laughs> it is good though. Pellegrino with lime is the best target. Get you some on the way home. Darting, target darting. If you don't like lime, they got lemon. It's a little too tart. They've got orange. It's a little tart, but it's like orange zest in the... It's crazy. It's so good. <laughs> target plug. Where's my 10%? Discount. Target. Anyway. Those problems you had will start diminishing and disappear when you get absorbed in the culture. It's not that the problems go away. It's that you learn how to see them differently. You learn how to handle things differently. And they do shrink because your mind is caught up in so many good things. You just don't have time for the bad things anymore. You're willing to stand for the good things. Even if there's no seats at that moment, God will raise the roof. Our outlook changes how we see things. Our culture defines what we're exposed to on a daily basis. And if we don't bring a godly culture, we're going we're gonna to reap a worldly reward. We want a godly reward. We got to embrace in the godly culture. He will raise the roof. Everybody stand with me for just a minute. Let's do this. Let's raise the roof. Raise the roof. Come on, just, I'll let you sit in just a minute. Just come on, help me out. Just raise the roof. Raise the roof. Raise the roof, God. We're raising the roof. Oh, hey, raise the roof. There's like, I'm sure there's like an animated GIF. Hey, raise the roof. Okay, y'all can sit. I'm going to make you get up in a couple minutes anyway. Let's take another break. <laughs> 
He will raise the roof. And you didn't know you had the blue sky sitting there on the other side because you're sitting in your storm. But he'll raise the roof and there's a blue sky Caribbean beach waiting for you. But you got to get in the culture. The climate's wrong the culture won't come. He wants to shock your senses and expand the reach. They couldn't believe the miracle he did in verse 12. Immediately he rose, took up his bed, and when he went in the presence of them all, they were all so amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. It's culture shock. This is shocking. That's what, that's what God will do to you when you've been away from him for some time or never felt the anointing. You've never felt the presence of God. It made me cry. I don't know what it does because the spirit of the Lord makes you weep because it brings joy. It does. It's, it's joy, joyful tears. He will raise the roof. When God can shock your senses, you will run to where he is. You won't wait. You will run to where he is. Like a little kid looking for his mommy or daddy, you will run to them. When he can shock your senses, when he can shock those senses and shake off that baggage and shake off all that knowledge, that Pharisee mindset, and get rid of all that and remember the new burden, which is light in Christ. You don't have to carry that no more. When God decides to do a miraculous work in you, demons tremble. They can't handle it, they're a bunch of bluffs. They like to scare you and get in your head. The devil wants to put his thoughts into your mind, and it's all a bluff because when you stand tall for Christ, the demons tremble and shake and run off the cliff and, and go away. They can't hurt you. The devil can't hurt you. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you, Satan. Get out of my house. There's blue skies waiting. People need God. They want God. They just don't know how to recognize God. And in this culture where there's a distraction every three seconds, if you're like me and my phone's dinging, the only thing that can really get your attention to know where God is, is that genuine, loving climate. It's distinguished. You can't imitate it. You can't, you can't imitate it. The church was called to show who God is. If we don't show who God is, we're hurting people. We're human. But if we don't strive to be the best because we serve the best, we'll make careless mistakes and we could derail somebody. We don't want to derail somebody. We want to help somebody. And it's as easy as being loving, genuine, and give them Jesus. That's it. Creating that climate of God's love will produce a culture that reaps God's harvest collectively, together. When you come into this harvest, you're going to see something new. It's going to be different. Our church is different. I want some of that, but they don't have very many people. I don't care because there was something different when he went in there. It's like he told me what I needed to hear and wasn't worried about what I thought. I like that. I need that. I'm tired of people kissing my behind. I want people to help me. I want people to love me. How many know the people that love you the most will tell you the, the truth? The ones that, you know, oh, you're so great. Everything you do is perfect. They usually want something from you. It's sad to say, but you need good, strong Christian people in your life 
that want to see you thrive in your relationship with God. They want to see you succeed. And the body of Christ wants to see each other succeed. It's not a one-man show. It's the body together, and we want to see each other succeed. When one is down, we lift you up. When another's down, we lift them up. We, we do it all together. It's a family. God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all who call on my name. If, if your earthly father says, I'll give you bread, you think he's going to give you a rock? He says, how much greater will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who call on him? All. Oh, I don't care what you've done. When you call, I will pour out my spirit. I will do it to all your sons and daughters. He who did a good work in me and you wants to do a good work in them that didn't come, that aren't here. There's more people. He wants to do a good work in them. We want to pay it forward. We want to give it away. If y'all could stand with me as we close this morning, we want to create a culture shock. We want to shock people's senses with this distinguished love that they've yet to experience, and it's based on the climate we bring to everything we do. Oh, I shouldn't call people out, but Vincent, I know you can take it. See, Vincent, can you come help me for a second? I'll make sure I do this right. Let's talk about climates for a second. Okay, here's, here's me, no coffee, early in the morning. Coming in to inspire people. What's up, guys? Here's Nick. No coffee. Nick just doesn't say anything. I'll say, what's up, guys? We're related, so we kind of are the same. That climate is okay. It's fair weather. Here's Vincent. Vincent, tell me how you end the Unify, you know? Like, like when you remind people of why we're here. Like, how does that sound when you deliver your climate to the culture? You know, just anything, yeah. I'll script it for you. Man, God is good. He loves you. He's good. Is there any coffee yet? God is good. Man, God is good. He loves you. You see? You see? Oh, man. What, what that guy drinking? What is he drinking? I want some of that. This guy, Vincent, he was a little more hyper than me. But, man, I remember how much, how much he loved me and how genuine it was because he brought, a, he brought a climate that just made me want to be a part of that. And that's how we breed the culture. And then I go do the same. And then one of these days I go, Nick, when are you going to get excited? And he'll go, I don't know. Maybe one of these days I'll get excited. And then finally Nick goes, yeah, me too. We love Jesus. And we all get excited. And all of a sudden the culture changes. Let's give Vincent a round. His personality's like his shirts. They're loud. Anybody seen his orange dress shirt? <laughs> he goes, it's loud. It's awesome. But some of you this morning, I'm not saying everybody got to be crazy and yell and all that stuff. We all have different abilities and talents and gifts and collectively is how we brew this culture. But it has to be genuine and based on the love of God. And that's what's going to do it. That's what's going to bring the blue sky climate. And God, this morning, some of y'all been watching from the sideline and that's okay but now God wants you to be stretched a little he wants to supply your every need but he wants you to lead into this culture and bring others with you this church is home everybody say home this church is home this is God's home this is not 
Pastor Jeff's home. This is not Liberty High School's home. If you want to really get spiritual, none of this is our home. This is all God's home. But we're talking about the body right now, and it's God's home. And when you walk into the body, you are in God's home. You are family. You are always welcome here. Tell your friend who keeps telling you why they shouldn't come. You say, no, you're family. Walk in the doors. I dare you. You walk in those doors, and you'll see they love you too. Try it. The church is your home. We want to experience the difference and then give the difference away back to the mission one seed at a time. The simplicity of a single seed. Remember the mustard seed. It can go a long way. It can move mountains. Leave behind those cultures that are leaving you dried up and depressed. Embrace the opportunity to go all in for Jesus Christ and see the roof lifted and lame people walk and deaf people hear and blind eyes open and see people take up their bed and walk away because now you are where he is. Walk hand in hand with your family and see the angels flee, rejoice, excuse me. Let's pray. If you all could bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the only name above all names that can redeem the sin of man. We're so thankful, God. And what we want here is, yeah, we want, we want people, and we want cool stuff, and we want, we want to have fun. But if we don't remember that the culture is the secret to success and that the culture has to be about you in all things. That's why we pray over the worship. We pray over the sermon. We pray over the seats. We pray over the teachers. We pray over the greeters. We pray over everything. We pray over the weather when it storms because we know it has to be about you. And then if it's not about you, we don't want it. We pray, God, that you keep this at the forefront of our mind this week. Help us take this good blue sky climate into the world and show good things that you have done to us that will make others come to your flock, that will make others come to your house and see that roof lifted off that they're missing right now. Let others quit becoming complacent in their walk and settling halfway down the path when you've got so much more for them. They're just, they're just holding themselves back, disqualifying why they're not worthy to come get all of what you had. But let us stir their hearts this week. Let us be vessels. Let us use our boats, God. You can use our boats to reach them. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.